So, Viv, um, this is your scenario. Okay, so you're the renal registrar on call, and you get a phone call from a satellite a satellite dialysis unit. Um, they're calling to tell you there's a 68 year old patient, a 68 year old lady who dialyzes there, who they were unable to dialyze today. Um, she dialyzes via a radiocephalic fistula in the left arm, um, and the dialysis nurses could not uh, detect any brill, sorry, brewy or thrill, and so they have sent the patient uh, to A&E. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you would approach this scenario? Yeah, perfect, thank you. Um, so the patient is on their way to A&E. Um, yeah. On initial review of the patient when they arrive in A&E, the first things that I would want to know are, is the patient stable? Are they hemodynamically stable? And um, specifically for a patient who is due on their dialysis days, the things that I would be most um, particularly thinking about are, are they short of breath, i.e. are they fluid overloaded? So do they require oxygen? What are their saturations? And also what is their blood pressure? As many patients arrive hypertensive pre-dialysis. So they'd be the first things I'd be thinking about um, and to ensure that the patient is stable. I'd also ask um, Amy to send off a um, full set of bloods and also a VBG. Specifically, I'm looking for um, the acid-based status of the patient and whether they're hyperkalemic. Now, in the meantime, while whilst I'm waiting for those results, um, what I think about when um, I'd get a call like this is, first of all, um, when did the patient last have dialysis? And on their last dialysis session, did they have a full session? Um, and how much fluid they had removed on that session? Um, at times, patients may have had a shorter session for some reason, so it would be important to gather that information. I'd also um, like to know um, whether they are a new starter to dialysis. Um, the reason that I'd be particularly interested in this is to whether um, is to know whether they pass any urine, um, because potentially if the patient is arriving in the evening, there may not the dialysis unit may not be open if we do need to dialyze this patient or intensive care may not have a bed. So I need to figure out um, quite quickly whether there's a way I can medically manage um, their potassium if they come back with a hyperkalemia or if they're fluid overloaded. Um, similarly, um, that's why I'd like to know about their blood pressure, whether it needs medical management. I'd also like to know, um, so first of all, whether they're a new starter, whether they pass urine, whether they've had a recent dialysis session, whether it was a full session, whether they normally miss dialysis sessions um, and uh, whether this is a frequent occurrence. Um, and simultaneously, most patients will have a pre-dialysis blood test um, frequently enough. And so I can see whether they have a high potassium prior to starting dialysis on their regular dialysis days. That would guide me as to know whether, oh, actually, if this patient normally comes in with a potassium of seven, it's likely that I'm going to need to dialyze this patient. Um, and I'd also ask Amy, if possible, to get a weight for this patient um, and see what their baseline weight is um, in terms of their pre-dialysis weight, their post-dialysis weight, so their dry weight, um, and whether they were near that or they had gained a lot of weight in between sessions. Um, and so at this point, I'd like to know, do we have any observations or blood tests back? Sure, yeah. So I'll give you um, some of that information. Um, so this lady has been um, dialyzing for six years, so six years on hemodialysis. Um, she has only minimal urine output, passing approximately what she describes as an egg cup full of urine every day. 
Um, her last session um, was two days ago and it was terminated uh, early. The dialysis nurses are not sure exactly why, but they think the machine was alarming. Mm. Um, upon arrival, uh, uh, blood pressure is 170 over 110. The SATs are 95% uh, on air. The respirate uh, is 18. Uh, temperature is 36.5. Uh, and the heart rate uh, is 88. Um, you do a blood gas, so venous blood gas. Uh, the pH is 7.18. The bicarbonate is 15. The PCO2 is 4. Uh, and the potassium is uh, 6.8. Um, her weight is 82 kilos and her dry weight is set at 75 kilos. However, you, um, the dialysis nurses tell you that it's been quite some time since she actually achieved that dry weight. So she's been running a little bit above her target weight for a while. Okay. Um, so at this point, um, what I would like to um, do is take a history from the patient. Um, so I would assess the patient. I mean, saturations of 95% aren't too bad, but we could supplement potentially with a litre of oxygen. Um, I'd like to ask the patient um, when they think they last felt um, the fistula working. If she's had the fistula for six years, she might be able to give me quite good information about that. I'd also like to think about factors that would predispose her to having a fistula that isn't working, i.e. has she had some hypotensive episode? Um, so has she had any diarrhea and vomiting? Is there any signs of infection? Is she dehydrated at all? I'd then like to focus on the results that I have after gathering the history. So I have a patient who is acidotic, um, low pH, the bicarbonate is also low, and they're hyperkalemic. This patient needs medical management. On, um, on arrival in A&E, um, I would ask them to initially give calcium gluconate, insulin and dextrose. Um, and then I'd also potentially um, offer the patient a calma if we had it in stock. Um, there's no point giving the patient furosemide because they do not pass any urine. And so this isn't going to help with the hyperkalemia. Um, at this point, I would also be thinking this patient is hypertensive. Um, their dry weight is higher than it normally would be um, and therefore they more than likely have a lot of fluid on board and examining the patient I would expect to find a raised JVP and crackles on the lungs and peripheral edema. Um, I would then like to um, sorry um, I would then like to um, after treating the patient for hyperkalemia I would then need to start thinking about the fact that this patient needs dialysis um, medical management of hyperkalemia is just a temporary measure and it's likely that they're going to have a rebound potassium, which is much higher. Um, so when I would be thinking about uh, managing this patient for dialysis, I need to think about inserting a VASCAP. A few things to think about here are this patient has been on dialysis for six years. There's a good chance that she has an extensive access history. So I would like to know, has she had um, multiple lines before? Has there been any difficulty with lines? Um, has she had any intervention to the fistula before? Has she had any venograms that I can have a look at um, just to get a flavour of some of her background? Um, and then in addition to that, I would also, if I was planning on putting a VASCAP in, I'd need to be thinking about her coagulation status, looking at her HB, her platelets, um, and ensuring that I have a group and safe. 
um, at this time, if it is evening time, it might be difficult to get the patient into a hemodialysis unit. And as well, um, it, given that her potassium is 6.8, it's unlikely that the hemodialysis unit would want to take her directly from A&E. And therefore, I'd need to contact intensive care, also notify my consultant, but I need to contact intensive care and ask them about filtration for this patient. Sure. OK, so. Um... So you give the calcium gluconate, you give the insulin uh, dextrose. Um, the ECG shows widespread tented T waves. Um, the patient's uh, hemoglobin is 100. The platelets are 250. Um, the INR and APTT are within uh, the normal range. Um, the patient tells you that um, over the time they've been on dialysis, uh, they have had... Um, a right-sided radiocephalic fistula, uh, which failed to mature, and they um, subsequently had um, one tunneled line on the right side of the neck in the internal jugular, and one um, on the uh, left side. Um, and um, she had some flow issues with the right one, so that was why it was removed. The left-sided one was removed when her left radiocephalic uh, AV fistula was formed. Um, she's not had any femoral lines uh, before. Um, and in terms of intervention on the fistula, um, she has had one fistulaplasty uh, six months ago um, when the uh, scan of the fistula demonstrated uh, a bit of stenosis and there were some uh, issues, issues with machine alarming. Uh, since then, she's not really had any issues apart from on the last dialysis session. Okay. And on examination of the fistula, there is no thriller brewery, but does it look torturous or um, is there any evidence of kind of shiny skin over the fistula? Um, or is it particularly okay. deep in commented on in any of the scans? Okay. So um, the fistula um, is visible, but does appear to be uh, slightly deep. Um, you can't feel any uh, thrill over the fistula. You can't hear any brewery. Um, it doesn't look particularly torturous. Um, and yeah, the patient has, has consented uh, to a VASCAF and has agreed to proceed. Um, so at this point, I would have contacted my consultant on intensive care um, in the hope that there was space in intensive care for filtration for my patient. Um, in the event that I was waiting for a bed, I would need to just continue with medical management and hopefully also have some lacoma um, to buy some time before we have a bed. Um, if the patient's blood pressure was rising, I could also consider a GTN infusion at this point. Um, in terms of the VASCAP insertion, um, this patient needs a femoral VASCAP. I think, first of all, that's the safest option on in an on-call setting. Um, the blood tests are all safe. To proceed with this i'd obviously like to exclude any signs of sepsis but either way this patient needs hemodialysis um, and therefore i'd like to proceed with um ephemeral vascat um and i think that this is also um you know it's lower risk than doing a neckline um and therefore better in the on-call setting sure excellent thank you very much um fine um Anything else you'd like to say? I mean, I, I think that's probably um, about it. I think that's fairly comprehensive. But any other comments for the uh, candidates? 
um, when you're approached with these kind of situations? I think probably just um, some of the other factors we were talking about that um, can impact or cause um, a fistula to stop working. So I alluded to hypotension, sepsis, dehydration. It's also worth thinking about pressure on a fistula, hence why those patients wear um, little armbands that say fistula so people don't use blood pressure cuffs on them. Um, and also considering whether the patient is on anticoagulation, not just for vas gap insertion, but also is this someone who's had previous clotted fistulas? Are they on anticoagulation for another reason? Did they maybe not remember to take their anticoagulation or have they some kind of procoagulant condition as many yeah. patients do? And many of these patients will have also um, had scans of the fistula in, in the past and, and had intervention on the fistula. And, if you've had intervention on the fistula and the fistula has gone down or had issues on one occasion, it's more likely to do so again. Um, and so just thinking about the fistula technical aspects, um, are there any stenoses that would pre um, uh, predispose to clotting? Uh, and then other things are you've actually got to examine the fistula yourself because often, uh, not often, but occasionally you'll get a call from the dialysis unit uh, and they'll say that they, they can't, um, detect a brewery or a thrill um, but then you might find that you can and it could be that it's just a bit deeper or um, you know maybe it needs to be cannulated under ultrasound or something like that um, yeah and often uh, um, the, it depends on the experience of the nurse you know if it's a new yeah. nurse in the department potentially they can't feel it but actually maybe the more senior nurse in your hospital can yeah and I think the point you made about residual urine output is a really important one potentially um, underappreciated because people who have just started dialysis tend to have a very good urine output most of the time or at least a lot better um, and that's the, the main um, tool their body has to protect them from fluid overload and hyperkalemia so that's really useful. Um, another sort of way of looking at this sort of the other side of the coin if you like is the amount of weight people gain between dialysis sessions so the interdialytic weight gain because that is um, uh, usually just reflective of how much urine they pass. Uh, and then another way of looking at that is how much um, ultrafiltration or fluid off they get on dialysis. And if it's sort of, you know, more than two litres, that's probably quite a reasonable amount. And once you're certainly getting up to three litres um, and above that, that's a lot. So those people are less likely to be able to um, uh, hold on without dialysis. Yeah. And if it is somebody who's a new starter, whilst it is quite easy to just, you know, whack a vascat in and dialyze them, what you are thinking about is trying to preserve their vasculature as much as possible. So it's not just about, oh, can we save sending them to ITU where there's bed pressure? It's actually that, should we not roger that vessel that they're going to need to use again? So um, that's why I think more so we mention it as well. Absolutely. And, and in general, actually, the point about urine output also kind of is applicable to acute kidney injury scenarios, um, because when you've got urine output, you're, you've got a lot more control over the situation. Um, the moment there's sort of sustained oliguria or anuria, um, that is, you know, it's not going to be long until the problems uh, arise. So that's a particular uh, question of importance uh, in in these kind of scenarios, but also AKI scenarios. Yeah. So it's always dividing acute kidney injury into oliguric or um, or non-oliguric. Yeah, yeah, because if you're non-oliguric, you can you buy yourself a lot of time. Absolutely. Great, well, thanks very much, well done, very good. Yeah.